Hi, friends. Welcome to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. I'm Leona Evans, and I'm here today with my son and co-host, Matthew J. Evans. Hi, thanks for listening. This has been an incredible year. Now, every time we do a podcast, I seem to want to say the same thing. It just seems to want to rush out of my mouth because there are so many reasons to want to talk about it. It's such a pervasive and continual series of changes that is occurring in our lives in this year. It has. From the first month of the year, it's been nonstop. Things are changing. Things are happening all over the place. Coronavirus happening. The protests, Black Lives Matter, everything in government going on. There has been nonstop action, so to speak. And it's been really hard for a lot of us. It's been stressful, exhausting. Just watching TV for 15 minutes and catching up with the daily news can be draining, so emotionally draining. Yes, it is emotionally draining because we don't understand in many ways whether or not we have the strength to handle all of these changes. Poverty, job loss, illness and death of loved ones and friends, political turmoil, and a most incredible opportunity to begin to see the end, finally, of systemic racism in our country. All of these things are huge changes, and it is most important that we learn how to make different choices, choices as to how we're going to live, how we're going to thrive, how we're going to experience what's going on in the world, and how involved we want to be in making some of the changes that we want to see. How strong do we feel ourselves to be? How prepared are we to step out into the world and become the change we want to see? You see, I think that inadvertently, we've been living in denial for a long time, And the fact that we haven't seen the difficulties that have been going on around us and we haven't been willing to take a deep look at things because we felt we didn't have to are part of the reason why all of this is coming to the forefront right now. We are being asked to wake up and to help heal those situations that are no longer tolerable for us. That denial keeps us in a place where we think that someone else is going to take care of it, or we don't have the means to take care of it ourselves, or that it's not even that bad. Yes, when we're in denial, which is an unconscious activity, we tend to minimize situations. Oh, things are not that bad. Oh, I'm sure they'll get better by themselves. Because deep down inside, we have a faulty self image. We see ourselves as weaker than we are. We see ourselves as less effective than we really are. And because we think we're not enough, we tend to minimize the situations around us. Otherwise, we'll be devastated by them. Now, this denial can be a very dangerous thing. And right now, we're beginning to see the frightening effects of denial all around us. For example, the people who refuse to practice social distancing and refuse to wear a mask because they're absolutely certain that they're being fooled or that others want to take away their freedom of choice, that COVID-19 really isn't a world pandemic and there's really nothing to be afraid of. Obviously, this mindset is producing dire consequences for untold numbers of people. 
Another example of that would be the denial of white people after the civil rights movement thinking that racism was over, that with the passing of the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, that racism was finished in America, and if that there were still issues, they were just a few bad apples, that the system would work out. But that has really abandoned so many people and so many causes that need our support. So there's a lot of people coming out of denial about that right now, which is really inspiring. Yes, it is inspiring, but it's also painful because those of us who are willing to come out of denial and take responsibility, even though we didn't know consciously what we were doing, is a very important thing, and it needs to be done without shame or blame. That is, if we can take an objective look at the past and take ownership and responsibility for our part in it, even though we didn't mean any harm, this is a huge step in a direction of healing and in a direction of creating greater awareness. On the other hand, the fear of shame or blame tends to put us in a defensive mode. And we are not in a position to take responsibility because we don't want to be blamed and we have to explain ourselves and it can't be our fault. It has to be extenuating circumstances. All of that is counterproductive. Yes, when we're able to take an objective look at the past, recognize our place in it, take responsibility for it, and recognize that we are going to do things differently. We are going to choose to do things differently. This is a tremendous freedom and liberation in our consciousness. So that distorted mindset which causes us to live in denial is not only hurting us, but it's hurting the people around us, the whole world around us. Yes, and I'm not suggesting that because we live in denial, the world is the way it is today. There are many many extenuating circumstances. But from my point of view and from my area of expertise, I see so many situations in which a healthier self-image and a more realistic understanding of who we are will give us the strength and give us the poise to see situations as they are and to be able to know that we have the power and strength to handle them. In other words, it's time that we understand ourselves from a more positive and powerful perspective and make choices based on a deeper reality of who we are on the inside in relation to what's going on outside of us. And so today, I respectfully challenge all of us to get off our affirmation and see ourselves as we really are. So we really need to take a reality check and realize that we're strong enough to not only face our current reality, but to become acquainted with ourselves in a whole new way. The first question we need to ask ourselves is, who am I? Who am I really? Now the answer is going to be very different from who we've thought ourselves to be or who we've been told we are. Because of our wounding, because of things that have been told to us that were not based in reality or not very kind, we often see ourselves as vulnerable, inadequate in many ways, unintelligent, unsure of making decisions. No matter how much education or how much training we have, we often live with an underlying and pervasive feeling that we're not enough. This is what needs to be healed. 
This is what we need to really take a look at. Because the more insecure we are about who we are, the greater the tendency to latch on to others who we believe have the power to save us. We project onto these people the qualities of a superhero who will come in and save the day, such as a president or uh, any other authority figure. Our childhood stories are filled with superheroes that save us, and it's a kind of archetype that's really effective for small children who really are vulnerable and look to someone bigger and stronger to ensure our safety. That's a normal part of growing up. However, as adults, we still tend to carry that idea of a superhero and continue to feel that our problems are far greater than our ability to cope with them, and we give our power and our loyalty to our superheroes. They'll take care of us. They'll save us. They'll always be there for us. Yeah, I can really relate to that. You know, I grew up watching Superman and Batman and all the superheroes, big fan growing up, and I still am. I love the movies and the comics and all the characters, but it's important to kind of put them in their right context, you know, not to expect those kind of people in everyday life. That's a very good point, because our superheroes are vulnerable too. And we can only see that from a more adult, more mature perspective. While we admire them a great deal for their abilities in certain areas, they're always going to fall short in other areas because they're human. They're the way we are. They're just like us. But when they show vulnerabilities, this is when we panic and we begin to feel betrayed by our superhero, president, war hero, whoever it is, because we gave them the power to save us and they couldn't and they didn't. We counted on them and they failed us. Now, unfortunately, rather than realizing that we shouldn't have idolized them in the first place, we turn on them. We demonize him. We bring that person down just as we brought them up. But do we realize that we shouldn't be idolizing people and then tearing them down? No, not always. Most of the time, we just look for another hero who is better or stronger. And the cycle continues. I'm thinking now of a beautiful memory of election night in 2008 when Barack Obama became president. What a joy-filled night. What a tremendous inspiration that was to see this young, beautiful, intelligent black man that was going to take us from where we were to where we needed to be. But I remember what he said to us. He said, I invite you all to join me because this is something that can only be done if we do it together. And I remember thinking, how many of us really know what that means? How many of us are going to still rely on our hero to get things done for us, to take care of us, because we're not in a position to make a difference? And I saw people around me, my friends. I saw people in the news who, after a period of time, started complaining that President Obama was not doing enough or he was not doing it fast enough. And I remembered the inauguration night speech, and I thought, how sad must President Obama be that enough of us are not taking responsibility 
for the way things are and doing more to change it. We were waiting for our hero to fix things, and that's too much to ask of anybody. And it's not really fair to ourselves either, because we're much more than that. So we're projecting onto them everything that we don't think we're strong enough to handle ourselves, and then when they don't meet those expectations, we can just totally demonize those heroes. It's really quite unfortunate that we do that, because if we really felt strong enough, which I believe we're getting to the place where we know we need to feel now, then, of course, we realize that no matter who's elected president, they're not going to be able to do it by themselves. We're the ones that have the power to vote our local lawmakers into places of power so they can support our president. No one can do that job alone. And we need to feel that we're strong enough, wise enough, and loving enough to be able to make decisions that will support the people of our country in powerful and meaningful ways. So learning who we are and developing healthy self-esteem not only benefits us, but it gives us the courage and confidence we need to take action, to do our part, to heal our broken systems. Yes, that's exactly right. It is not an exercise in self-indulgence, but it's an opportunity to truly step out in the world and feel the power of teamwork. So let's get back to the question, who am I? If we take a look at history, we see that the human race is extraordinarily capable of surviving the greatest challenges. We have survived and thrived under the most dire of circumstances. We found ways to shelter ourselves. We found food sources where it seemed that nothing existed. We've invented cures for diseases. We found ways to travel to other planets and tested our strengths over and over again, finding ways to learn from our experiences and continue to develop better ways of living in the world. We've found ways to speak to the highest part of the human spirit through music, the arts, and the philosophers who have pointed out that we are so much more than we have thought ourselves to be. We've reached out to one another in love and unity of spirit. We've helped, supported one another. We've saved each other's lives. We've come to understand the value of sharing the best in ourselves and found great joy in both giving and receiving. And yet, in spite of all this, we've often allowed our greed and quest for power to take over our better judgment. We've allowed insecurities and fears to cause us to cluster into groups similar to us and fear those who are not. Our insecurities have often caused us to seek approval from those outside of ourselves just to feel that we belong. And we've often felt pressured to go along with the group because of economic security or social standing. But this doesn't change who we really are. It just changes our perception and our quality of life. The truth is, we are much more than we believe ourselves to be. And this means that in spite of our fears, insecurities, and misperceptions, we are enough. We are enough. And if we are enough, that means that we have enough resources to survive 
and even thrive in the most challenging of circumstances. And we have a survival instinct, the gift of life within us that will always rise to every occasion and always be supported along the way. So seeing ourselves in that way gives us so much more strength and so much more understanding about our capabilities. And and we understand that we can be a part of the change, that our voice does matter, and that we're all equal in value to every other human being and deserve the best in life. So the next question we need to ask ourselves is, why do I do what I do? Why do I do what I do? Now, the answer fits into one of two categories. Either we do what we do to stay safe, or we do what we do because at the highest level of our being, we must. It's really important to make that distinction and take a mental and emotional inventory of our motivations. If we're motivated by fear and inadequacy, anger, revenge, then the results will reflect that. If we're seeing ourselves as enough, on the other hand, we'll be free to explore the potential within us and realize that even when we don't know what to do, we have the ability to find answers to even our greatest challenges. So now, with a better understanding and acceptance of ourselves and the power within us, we can take another look at COVID-19 and instead of dismissing it out of fear, we can accept the reality of it and come to terms with what we need to do. The first thing we need to do is to accept COVID-19 as a global pandemic and understand that as dangerous as it is, nothing is stronger than the human spirit. From there, we need to take steps to make it as safe as possible for all of us to live with it until we find a vaccine or a therapeutic or achieve herd immunity where we're no longer in as much danger as we are right now. And instead of feeling deprived and pushing the envelope by wanting to get out there and do things in close proximity to others, let's appreciate what we have. Let's take advantage of modern technology and FaceTime, and Skype, and Zoom one another so that we can be in contact and appreciate one another at that level. There are so many reasons to get together virtually in so many ways that we can experience gratitude for what we do have during this time. And if we do have to go out, it's just so important to wear a mask. It's just one of the most critical things we can do to help save each other's lives. And as far as making a difference in our political system and lifting ourselves from the level of corruption and oppositional thinking and greed, we need to realize that the House of Representatives and the Senate do not elect themselves. We have an obligation, a, I call it a glorious responsibility, to look at the candidates running for office, to examine their voting record, to see whether or not their issues and the platforms they stand for are compatible with ours. We need to know how much a president needs support. We need to realize how great a denial we've been in all these years by saying this president is going to do this, that president is going to do that, this one is going to change everything without even realizing that they don't have that much power 
without the other two branches of government. So we need to participate. Our voices need to be heard. And I just want to mention state and local elections as well being so critically important. They affect your day-to-day life way more than you might think from policing to nowadays with coronavirus response seems to only come from the state and local level. So really important to participate in all levels of voting. And taking action doesn't mean you have to be physically active. A lot of the work can be done from your own home. Find out the names of your representatives and their phone numbers. Call them and tell them how you want them to vote. They're representing you and your voice matters. Your representatives will act on the majority of phone calls and letters they receive. They're waiting for you to tell them what you think and how they can represent you more effectively. Remember, if you know your voice counts, then you'll use it. And your voice does count. And there are so many more ways to get your voice heard. If doing something artistic is your thing, now is the perfect time to get active in whatever your artistic passion is. I've been doing a lot of musical projects at home. I I did one recently for the Juneteenth holiday doing a jazz civil rights song called Freedom Day that I'm a big fan of. That It was really cool to be able to take part in that experience and get the message about civil rights out through the arts from home. And that video that you were talking about, Matthew, is on YouTube. And so uh, Matthew J. Evans is your name. And it is a wonderful YouTube video uh, where you play several different instruments on a split screen. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to produce and record all the parts and then edit them together and hear how it sounds. It, It came out really well. I was really happy with it. And that comes out of necessity. Developing that skill comes out of necessity, doesn't it? Yeah. If I had the opportunity of playing with my friends, I probably would have. But since I can't, playing by myself and developing these new skills has been a lot of fun and a really good challenge and a way to keep myself out there involved in these activities. Also, I want to tell you about a family friend who was feeling really depressed with the coronavirus, with the quarantine, the shutdown. She was really feeling low. She's 88 years old, and one day a couple weeks ago, she decided she was going to do something about this. So every day of the week, she goes on Facebook Live, plays her guitar, sings songs, It's amazing. It's so uplifting and inspiring. She's there helping herself feel better by bringing music into the world and by sharing it with her whole Facebook list. She's helping all of us be inspired and uplifted too. You see, we have to think well enough of ourselves to allow our voice to be heard and to believe that we can make a difference in someone's life. And so these outreaches are extremely important. There are times when we can feel so low that we don't think we matter and we don't think we can make a difference and we become depressed. And this kind of atmosphere in the world today lends itself to those kinds of feelings because so much is going on that we can't seem to find a way out. So please remember, your voice does count. And we need to hear your voice, and we need to know that you believe that your voice counts, because when we all believe that, when we all feel that we make a difference, 
we come together on an equal footing, each of us in our own way contributing each skill that we have, uh, whether it's cooking or singing or carpentry, whatever it is that we do, we do it like nobody else. And we are blessed with what I call divine individuality, each of us unique in our own way, having talents and skills specifically designed to be shared in a unique way. Even though we might be singing the same song that's been sung 5,000 times, the way we do it will be unique and special because we're doing it. To know that, to feel gratitude for that instead of going on an ego trip, is the kind of consciousness that we are talking about cultivating so that we are able to shift the consciousness so that going through this experience in 2020 will remember that we took the opportunity and instead of going down with the ship, we showed the indomitable strength of the human spirit, the faith and the love to find a way out. Now, I just want to remind you that developing healthy self-esteem takes a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of faith that the work that you're doing is going to bring you the peace you deserve. Coming from a place of low self-esteem, we have all kinds of feelings of unworthiness, all kinds of voices that are talking in our heads about how unworthy we are and how undeserving we are. All of that has to be discovered and gently released. This is, well, it's a project of a lifetime. I've been working on my self-esteem for decades, and I can tell you that while I certainly don't have healthy self-esteem mastered, I know this much. I know when I'm sabotaging myself, and I know how to get out of it. Uh, for me, it's about meditation. It's about taking action. It's about raising our level of consciousness to the highest. And most importantly, it's believing that if I were my own best friend, what would I say and what would I do to nurture myself? This is really what it's all about because often we will reach out in love rather than reaching in. So let me just tell you that there is hope for our future. I believe we will get off our affirmation and take the kind of action that we need to take to make permanent and lasting changes in our movement from a culture of violence to a culture of peace. I do believe we can, and I believe we will be instrumental in healing our planet, one thought at a time, one gesture of love at a time, one person at a time. Remember, the choice is ours. Thanks so much for listening to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. Please get in touch with us about how you're taking action. Are you making phone calls? Are you doing music projects? Have you built something? What are you doing? Are you marching? We would love to hear from you, so please let us know. Like our Facebook page and leave a comment with what you're doing to take action. Have a wonderful week. You deserve it. <laughs>